Mind the Head with Paul Flaherty, a weekly show that focuses on mental health and well-being. Sundays on Lockray Community Radio, brought to you by Dignity Funeral Care, funeral directors caring for your peace of mind. Hello and you're very welcome to today's episode of Mind the Head here on Lockray Community Radio with me, Paul Flaherty. This show is very kindly brought to you by Dignity Funeral Care, dignityfuneralcare.ie for more information. Mind the Head is your weekly mental health and well-being show where I meet a variety of guests, some that are experts in their field and sometimes by guests that have overcome adversity and achieved personal challenges. Today's guest is a celebrant with a background in the world of media and he joins me to discuss that and his interesting story on how he went from being a weatherman to becoming a life celebrant. Please welcome Connor Clear. Hello Connor. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. And you, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I have to say, you now in all sincerity, that the, the pleasure is mine. And since you reached out to me and asked me to do this, um, I've gone back to listen to previous episodes online. You will forgive me, being a dub, <laughs> I wouldn't be totally familiar with Lockray Community Radio. So do forgive me. Um, but I did go back and listen to previous episodes. And I have to say, I, I think it's a fantastic space um to have really important conversations and discussions so fair play to you for 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 having this and thank you for for having me on this Uh, i'm delighted to be here and i mean that sincerely well that's i'm flattered thank you so much um like i said you are a celebrant so maybe you can tell us first of all what exactly a celebrant is and what they do so what is a celebrant now I, I when I think of the word celebrant, um, I, I bring it back to the word celebrate, really. Um, and, and a celebrant is really somebody who will mark an important occasion with you. Um, invariably, many of us would be what you might call independent. Uh, we might be aligned to some organisations. Um, so some would have different beliefs for example for for example um i would classify myself as an independent celebrant which means i would mark uh i would primarily do funerals weddings um i I think after the last two years that three years now at this stage we're heading towards three years that we've all had i think it's so important to celebrate so really if there's an occasion that you need to celebrate i will turn up and mark that with you and lead that and just give it a sense of of ritual um but ultimately what, what keeps me busiest would be you know what we'd consider to be the traditional milestones of funerals weddings um naming ceremonies um and again um largely independent me being an independent celebrant then i can introduce whatever beliefs then are important to to whether it's the deceased or whether it's a a happy couple uh, on the happy day um so yeah does that answer your question yeah because they're the three milestones in life aren't they birth marriage and then death yeah indeed And, and, and it's something i've been thinking about now over the last three years really because i've been thinking are there other ways to celebrate are there other things you know that that we can mark so for example i mean i would have turned 40 during the pandemic um and i now in a very positive way i spend my life my personal life celebrating other people's lives like attending weddings Mm -hmm. and you you know going to my friends children's christenings and things Mm -hmm. and this is actually kind of this is going to sound like i have a chip on my shoulder but i do kind of think i'd love a day 
for about, me, I don't. Okay. Care. I think I it's called your birthday, Connor. I think it's called your birthday. I know. I think it's because I missed my fortieth. But what I mean by that is, you know, I, I, you know, I'm single, so I, it's. I love marrying other people. It's mm. unlikely that I'm going to get married myself, so I'm not going to have a big day. So, so it made me think about right. What can I do to celebrate me? I, I must sound mad saying that, but you know what I mean? But but then actually when you take that, so you're not thinking about it from an inward point of view, you're, 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 you're thinking outward to other people. How can we celebrate people? How can we just celebrate our lives? We're here on this earth for, you know, really, I'm, I'm starting to learn now is potentially a very short space of time, you know, and we should celebrate. And I think that's, that's really important, you know. Had you ever been to a ceremony performed by a celebrant before you became one? Interestingly enough, I hadn't been to a wedding and I started as a celebrant through weddings. I had, in fact, been to a number of um, celebrant-led funerals. So I I had a a preconception of what they were when I started to move into them. Uh, And of course, then that would have shaped my preconceptions then moving into into weddings as well. So it's interesting that I, I, I hadn't seen a wedding but i had seen an awful lot of funerals and they're so beautiful and they're so special and there's something very beautiful about a personalized ceremony certainly when 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 you're talking about the end of life to make that occasion all about either the deceased i often think there are there there are two important parties there on that day and the deceased and the family that are left behind. It's it's about them as well mm. because it's their goodbye, it's their release, it's their, you know, their life is changing now because their loved one isn't going to be with them uh, anymore. So I always like to to give them as much space as I as I think is appropriate on the day as well because, you know, it's 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 as much about them as it is about honouring and for appropriate celebrating or just marking that occasion for 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 the deceased as well. You know. Now, we have to kind of talk about the story from, as I said, what brought you from being a weatherman to being a celebrant. And obviously, this being radio, people won't be able to see your face, but maybe they might be able to recognize your voice. But you were a weatherman on our national um, screens for a number of years. I was. um, I was trying to do the maths as to how long I was doing it. I think in total, from from the very first day that I stepped into the studio to do the weather until my last set, I think it would have been an arc of around about ten years. Were you um, there at the very the very beginning of the TV station, or did you join kind of afterwards? Or I joined afterwards, and I remember when I joined. Um, I joined in two thousand and three. Yeah. That's when I started, and I remember actually the station was celebrating its fifth anniversary, its okay. fifth birthday at the time. Yeah. So my first night out with all the staff was the fifth birthday, um, in which I, I can remember it now. I got very drunk, <laughs> um, and I'm surprised I managed to get 15 years out of that building, <laughs> working with them and having a, a happy work life with them as well. Um, that's quite a lot. Yeah, that's quite a long time, 15 years to be in an organization. And I mean, I suppose the the question that's on the top of my tongue is to kind of ask you kind of at that stage, surely you must have been really, really comfortable in that role. 
And why would you want to sort of leave it? Was I comfortable in the role? In fact, you've touched on something there. That's really interesting. It was the one aspect of my work life that wasn't in the right place. I loved going into to, to, we haven't said the name I presume we're allowed yeah, to just yeah, say it was yeah, TV yeah, yeah, to us, but it's yeah. now Virgin Media yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know sometimes you, you, you feel you feel kind of I, don't know, I, was, yes, I so, don't know why I was being so cagey about that I'm always so <laughs> protective of Lockeray Community Radio I feel like we shouldn't talk about any other kind of organisation only that well it's funny I concurrently while I was in TV I worked at radio as well mm. and a couple of Dublin radio stations, uh, which again I loved, but sometimes it's like you can never ever mention <laughs> any mm. other <laughs> media entity for fear that everyone just jumps to yeah. change of station as if that's the, as if that's the way we operate. But no, so I loved working in TV three. I was there for fifteen years. I made wonderful, sincere friends that I've really carried with me, and and I still often think that in the world of media that's actually quite rare. So I think I really struck gold in making real friendships. Um, because they say, don't they, that the kind of the world of media is very fickle and it's very sort of, you know, not really what it seems to be. And, you know. Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah. But again, after 15 years, uh, and, and you'd be in the makeup room and I don't, I'm not going to throw anyone under the bottom. I'm certainly not mentioning names mm. or anything like that, but just, sometimes you'd be having conversations with people and, and they just want to talk at you and then as soon as you start telling them about your life you see them glaze over mm. because because they're done with your conversation now so and it's like oh okay then so and that's look that's fine those people like that are everywhere that's absolutely fine but i think after 15 years it just kind of drains but actually interestingly as I said, I had such a wonderful, lovely time um, working with TV3. But in fact, towards the end, like you say, you know, after 15 years, you should be very comfortable. I think as I started, as the years started to go on, and as we got to year 12, 13 and 14, like anxiety started to creep in in my life. I didn't know what it was. I had never experienced it before. Um, but I knew enough to give it voice and not suppress it, not pretend it's not happening. And so one of the shocking things was when I'd, you know, I'd, I'd sit my friends down and say, listen, I have something to tell you. I, I'm like really anxious at the moment, as if it was this big announcement that I had to make. And invariably the reaction was, Oh, yeah, do you get it too? Yeah, you know, what's your anxiety? And uh, uh, the discovery that everyone is just walking around as this ball of anxiety, I kind of went, what is wrong with this world that that we're all anxious? So, I, yeah, so where does this story go? There's a, there's a couple of different avenues. Um, I, I might tell you one of the avenues, actually, because it does involve... A, a wonderful, wonderful friend of mine from media who you would know, um, Andrea Hayes, as a broadcaster and a writer. And I met her at TV3. We actually bonded over the photocopier. We were waiting for things to come out of the photocopier. We started chatting and we ended up spending 
the most of our working life in TV3 together. A wonderful friend. And she taught me an awful lot about gratitude and and positive, just positive thinking and positive affirmations and, and just gratitude for, for, for the life you had. She taught me all about that. And I was trying to find my way through this anxiety. I didn't know what it was. And I remember there was one night, it was a Sunday night, and I had to be up for work the next day, and I just couldn't sleep. And I was just dreading going into work the next day. And I was like, what is that? Why am I dreading going into work? Like, like you say, I was there 15 years. I'm so comfortable at this. Why do I not want to go into work tomorrow? I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh, I'll ring in sick. I'll just take the day off and I'll go in on Tuesday. And then I thought, well, Jesus, that just postpones everything. That, that prolongs everything. Then that, that, the anxiety got worse. It's now like five in the morning. I have to be up in three hours. Oh, my God. And I remember Andrea had mentioned um, meditations that she has on her website. I never in my life meditated. I mean, it was the most, you know, foreign concept to me. But I was so desperate. And so I got my headphones. I went on to Andrea's website. I listened to a meditation. I was asleep in 30 seconds. And I woke up after like three or three and a half hours sleep feeling like that I'd got a full night's sleep. And I remember just bouncing into work in the most positive, you know, the positive, the most positive energy. And so that unlocked this door then then to meditation. So I have a lot to be grateful to, to Andrea for. Um, and that's just been one of them. Then the other side of that was telling all my friends, you know, oh, you know, I'm feeling anxious and I've got anxiety. And, and, and then they turn around and go, oh, you think you've got problems? These are my problems. And, you know, and, and then you realize everyone's just walking around just this, these balls of anxiety. What is wrong with the world? So I remember being at the in the canteen one day, sitting at the sitting at the table, and I had said it to, to somebody, and uh, the girl said, "She said, uh, no, Connor, do you know what you need? You need uh, CBT. You need cognitive behavioural therapy. That's what you need." And I was like, "Oh, okay, um, right." So I went home and I googled it, trying to find out what exactly it was, and I found a place in town that did it, and I think. So, so I, I made the appointment and I think I thought I was just going off to like some kind of appointment where they were just going to give me like a, an information pack, you know, a few DVDs, a few pamphlets, like a USB with some resources on it. I'd go and read it. I, I don't know what I was expecting to, to, to meet on that day. And I went in and she, she sat me down. The, the lady who I met sat me down on two chairs facing each other. And started asking me about what and after a couple of minutes i realized i went oh my word i'm seeing a therapist <laughs> now obviously clearly that's fine but like because i hadn't signed up for it it was just that realization of, oh my god i'm seeing a therapist and then when i left i walked back out onto the street and the anxiety got worse then because now well now i'm in the system and you know I'm, I'm i'm seeing a therapist and then i remember on the second i gave her a second appointment and i went back and I really felt like they were, she was trying to ascribe blame to, you know, she was trying to find somebody in my life to ascribe blame to. And she was like, tell me about your friendships, tell me about your family. And I was like, no, it's all fine. And I'll never forget her going, Connor, you have to give me something here. You have to, 
you know, I can't work off nothing. Mm. But she had said enough in terms of she had touched on meditation. She had touched on the whole idea of just plugging your mind back into your body. And so I left kind of going, this isn't a good fit for me, but I think, I think I have enough tools now to go off and find my way through this. And so that's kind of what I did um, through meditation. Um, and that's when I realized the discomforts that I had in TV3 was actually um, uh, imposter syndrome. Because I was a weather presenter, but I wasn't a meteorologist. Mm. You know, and so when we had serious weather conditions like big storms, where you know going into work that somebody is going to lose their life in this storm. So I need to... I really need to know what I'm talking about, but actually I'm just reading an email here, you know? Mm. Um, and that's reading, you know, I stand over what I did for, for, for most of the time because when it's sunny spells and sh scattered showers, I can look back on all that time and say, I've got a really great track record of getting it right because you know, the amount of times you'd go into the studio, you'd record the weather, you'd walk out to get into your car and go home, and you go, oh, I got it right. Mm. So the amount of, so so I, I do have to say, <laughs> the amount of times I got it right was great. But then when the proverbial hit the fan mm. and you had big storms and you knew there was going to be a loss of life, that was when I said, listen, this is beyond my pay grade. And I can't do this i got really uncomfortable so i think that was i so actually ophelia would have been storm ophelia was the beginning of the end because i realized i can't do this anymore but part of that was actually realizing what it is that's wrong with me so it was uh, so there were uncomfortable conversations um with my boss and with my colleagues um but it turns out they were really important conversations to have because it meant that over time then I was able to, you know, extrapolate myself away from this situation, which was, which was not comfortable for me, um, and able to find my new journey into what it is I'm doing now, which, which I love, which I really love. You've mentioned kind of the imposter syndrome there. And did you know at the time that it was imposter syndrome? That you had um was i able to put a word in it actually i think i was able to put a word yeah. in it i think i was familiar with the concept of of what it was and when i was actually discovering that i remember actually a radio station <laughs> as i said <laughs> we never mention other radio stations so but i heard they had an item on um with a psychologist who dedicated a whole item to imposter syndrome mm. and every single um, would you call them symptoms, but every single either symptom or manifestation of imposter syndrome was something I had experienced. And I went, oh yeah. So it, it helped, it helped just verify what it was that, that I was thinking and what I believed was my situation, you know? So, um, so yeah, I, 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 obviously I wasn't an expert. I'm still not an expert, mm -hmm. but I just knew enough to follow my gut and I knew that that that's what it that you know that's what it was and since identifying it and since moving into my new area 
um, I don't really feel it in the, the same way. I, I think anyone who's listening who, who has ever experienced any, any level of anxiety, once you experience it once, mm-hmm. once you know what it feels like to have the little knot in your stomach, you know, th- there'll always be some little thing that would just trigger a small little tremor sometimes, you know, where you go, oh God, here we go. But, you know, I think I've earned myself with enough enough tools now to be able to say, you know, it, it's literally just a sensation. It is just a sensation. So, and then as soon as your brain tells you that, it just kind of exercises it out of your body. So you're like, you're like oh yeah, I'm grand now, yeah. Yeah. So, Connor, just in terms of the timeline then, so we'll say once you had decided to kind of to leave your job, at what point then did you kind of, where did the celebrant um, come into that then? When did you decide you wanted to be a celebrant or... You know how did what was the the process there yeah it would have been a period over across 2017 2018 um give or take that period of time and in fact and again look we're going back to, to gratitude again two of my really good friends keelan and zoe back in 2016 in fact that was oh they would have sat me down in 2015 and they said connor We've something to ask you. And we were in town and we were having a drink and they were on either side of me and they were like, we've something to ask you. Will you marry us? And I'll never forget that moment of not really understanding yeah. what it was they were talking about. I was like, yeah. sorry, we're good friends, but what do you mean? You want me to marry you? What? And then they told me what they wanted. And I, and initially I was like, no, I can't do that. And they were like, no, we can. We've looked at it. You can do this. So I, so I did that. Um, so Keenan and Zoe played a huge part. Why do you, you know? Yeah, sorry, Connor. Why do you think they asked you to do that? Well, you know what they wanted. Uh, they, they, they wanted their friends to be a part of the ceremony. So yeah. another friend of theirs was the musician on the day. Um, they just, I, they just thought I could hold the room yeah. and, you know, stand at the top and, and, and conduct it. Um, so I, th- I think that's, that's, that, that's why they asked me, but, you know, just going back to friends like Andrea sent me in one direction, um, which was amazing. She's yeah. played an amazing part of my life. And then you've got Keelan Zoe mm. came in and actually Keelan, interesting enough, got me my job in TV three way back in 2003 as well. So he's played a huge part in, in where I am now. So, so I need to acknowledge that, but that was my first wedding. And again, you know, you're, you know, you're standing at the top, you're about to do this ceremony, you're terrified, can I really do this? That that little trigger of, of imposter syndrome was coming in again, it's like, oh my word. How did you uh, prepare for this? How did you, mentally, how did you prepare for this? At that stage, 26, was I meditating at that, that stage? I, I think, um, how did I mentally prepare for that? I mean... When I look, when I say that the, the trigger of imposter syndrome, it wasn't that great in that scenario because I knew the environment I would be in. So, you know, that certainly wasn't an anxious situation, other than the fact it was just, you know, you'd be a little bit nervous on the day. How did I prepare pre- prepare for that? Um, I had a glass of bubbles, <laughs> a glass of echo before we started. That's how I did that one. Um, and and I'll tell you what happened. 
we, I'll tell you, it was actually a gorgeous, it was a Summerhill House Hotel. It was a summer wedding. We were outdoors in the garden. It was stunning and a beautiful day as well. I'm up at the top with the lads, um, nervous, trying not to show it, trying to, I was in control. I was absolutely in control. As far as anyone was concer concerned, I was in control. Nervous, nervous, nervous. The music starts and I'm like, oh my God, this is this is happening. We're doing this. And then Zoe appeared in her white dress at the end of, and she looked stunning. And my brain just went, do you know what? I'm about to marry my two friends. This is actually the coolest thing in the world. So then then I was able to just relax into that and do that. Um, but it was a huge part um, of my journey then because it meant I, I, it, that, that sent me then in that direction then of God, I could actually do this for a little, this, this could be, this could be a thing. Mm. So I was doing that on the side then um, for a couple of years while I was in TV3. Um, and then when I finished in TV3 then, that was 20, there was Christmas 2018. So it was the end of 2018. So, it was, you know, I consider it as, you know, 2019. Um, I just threw myself in to, to being a, a, a wedding celebrant. So thankfully, and again, just going back to the idea of gratitude again, I was so blessed that 2019 was a, a busy year. I just had a great year. Um, and again, you know, I was you know, surrounded by friends who were pushing me in great directions. And I was able to MC wedding shows and, you know, that again, thanks to Andrea as well, you know, so I was in that world. I was in the, the wedding industry. The pandemic happened and everything just came to a standstill. But interestingly, interestingly enough, I think when there was no work, and it's terrifying and you go, oh my, it was only, you know, it felt like only last year I left TV3. Should I, should I really have left mm. that full-time staff position? And then I went, yeah, mm. yeah, you should have. You'll ride this storm out and it'll be fine. Um, so in that regard, the, the pandemic was a lovely litmus test for me to say, am, am I on the right path here. And yeah, as it turns out, I was. So that kind of helped me in terms of, you know, not looking back. Um, because, you know, you should never look back. We should all be looking forward. Mm -hmm. So that helped then. It meant, you know, I, I, you know, so when I tell friends, when I tell people now, you know, I never look back. Um, and I still miss friends from TV3, but the actual job and what it was I was doing, you know, I, I, I don't miss. And then I got the phone call to conduct my first funeral um again terrifying but you know you you just face it and at least this time i had the confidence to say no this is what i do now so i you know i can do this and i think just going back to the imposter syndrome i think that's part of you know i'm at where i'm at now because i have the confidence to own what i do i own what i do now mm. I know what I'm, I know what I'm doing. I'm trained. I'm trained in what it is that I'm doing and all different aspects of what it is that I'm doing. Um, so that, that does give you a, a certain amount of confidence, but I found myself in this area now of meeting families at the worst time in their lives. Yeah. Because there's a big difference between like a wedding, which is a, a joyous occasion. And then you have a funeral, which is obviously quite a sad occasion. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to be so kind of sympathetic to 
the family involved and there's a lot of kind of emotion and it's quite a, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, you're dead right. Um, and yeah, and look, I always say, what I always say is I talk about the beauty of it all. Um, and, and I love the balance of going from a funeral on one day to maybe turning up to do a wedding the next day and being surrounded. Of course, there there's such polar opposite energies and emotions that you feel on the day. So I love doing the weddings, but equally, and, and again, look, it's a, it's a different emotion and a, and, a, and a different energy, but I have to say, I, I do love my work in the funeral landscape because it is really beautiful and it is really nice to, to, to turn up and meet a family at this incredibly difficult time in their lives. Um, very often that they might be a little bit wary of you coming mm. into their home because they think, I don't know what it is they think, but they might very well, to, often. To begin with, you're also, you're like a stranger coming in to begin with, aren't but, you? Effectively. Do you know what? Actually, yeah. fair play to you. That, that is actually what I was trying to articulate. That is actually it. You're this stranger coming into their house at, at, at this difference. Yeah. That's exactly it. Thank you. For, <laughs> for but then, you break down the walls then mm. and, and you know what uh, you, you you let them talk you ask in fact about about their deceased loved one um you talk about you know the, the music that they liked and that you might like to hear in the day and and you can see the shoulders going down during your time with them and and it's really beautiful um and then and again just going back to that confidence then that you know I'll always say, look, you know, you're in good hands with me. I'm going to go home now and put this together and it's going to be a, a loving celebration um, for you. It's going to be appropriate. It's it's going to be done with a good heart. It's going to be sincere and it's going to be compassionate. Um, and, you know, when they say something like, I'm clearly not in this for any type of validation, but you can't help but be moved when they do articulate their thanks mm. and, and what it means to them as well. Um, because it's such an incredibly personal thing that you're doing at this difficult time. I mean, you're kind of, you've got a lot of kind of power and kind of in the situation. I mean, you're everyone's looking to you effectively, you know? Yeah. True. Yeah, that, mm. that is, that is true. But look, I mean, I would have trained with the, with the Irish Institute of Celebrants Firstly, as a, as a wedding celebrant, but then I went back then and and, uh, and trained as 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 the funeral celebrant. So there's two the different funeral. kind of two different kind of processes. Two very different yeah. processes, and a lot of different modules and different areas that 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 you're looking at. Um, but we would have spent an awful lot of time in the funeral course talking about you know, you know your emotional self and emotional self-care and holding that space, holding that space with the family and mm. and how you equip yourself to do that. So, and, and you know, some of those first meetings that I would have had with families, and you get a call from the funeral director and you pick up the phone and you ring the family. And you, some of those 
first phone calls are so intimidating because of that because your brain is saying can i, can I hold it can i, I I've, yeah fine i've done the course can i really hold this space mm-hmm. um but you know i've i've learned very quickly now that actually and i don't want to sound too i don't know what the word is pretentious or too cocky but but as an independent celebrant when you're turning up to a family now you're turning up with the idea that you're going to reflect whatever beliefs the family wants whatever beliefs were important to their deceased loved one you're going to find out about this person and you're going to then try and and deliver um a few minutes of 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 a type of tribute to them at the start of the ceremony which you hope you're going to 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 um capture them correctly and appropriately and ultimately what you're doing is giving the family the gift of what we consider to be the good funeral which and i always say this to families and if any families that, that i've met are listening to this that they, they, they'll have remembered me saying they might remember me saying this the idea that my ethos as a celebrant is to deliver a ceremony that the family can walk away from and say do you know what they would have loved that mm. or that's exactly what he would have wanted and and if i can honor and do that well then it's a huge honor to me but that's what i hope is the start of a healthy journey of grief for that family um and that's and i think just because i i started by saying i hope it's not too pretentious but what i'm talking about that to me sometimes is it's like a little gift that you know that you're you're given to the family but but just having that in your mind just gives you a certain confidence to hold that space and and, and go in and, and and be with them in in that space and in that time in their lives do you ever find yourself getting kind of affected emotionally by by funerals and or do you find what you're doing is a way to kind of combat that so yeah is this appropriate to share with you so what so okay <laughs> well you're only human after all i mean you know yeah so here's what i do so when i am driving to the ceremony i'll always try in some way shape or form to just connect in some intangible way just connect with the deceased and say look look i'm turning up and just give me the strength here today to turn up and deliver this for your family and i'll already have met the family and you know invariably they're always these lovely people who just love sharing their stories about their deceased local so i always you know connect with them as, as best i can and so i go in and i deliver the ceremony with that little connection in my mind or in my heart or in my body or you know wherever and then it all goes well and the family are very grateful and very nice afterwards and then i get into the car and i drive off and i always say thank you to the deceased but in doing that it's a little bit like just letting that go then and kind of letting that person go um and then going back to my friends and my family and my life and my hobbies um because yeah you you can't it is a fine line because you can't hold on to other people's grief so you know you 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 take it on board you acknowledge it 
sometimes I verbally acknowledge it. Sometimes if, if they're a little bit overcome or, or if, if I sense that they're struggling in any way, shape or form, I'll, I'll just give a voice. And I, 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 just, I say, I, I see your grief. I see your grief. Um, so you see it, you experience it, you take it on in some way, shape or form, but you do have to release it afterwards and you do have to, you do have to, um, you do have to, to let it go essentially um, sometimes. And I've had, I've actually had some, um, I don't know what you would call it, some spiritual, I, I don't know what's appropriate. I never like talking about specifics mm, of, of course, of, families or people mm-hmm. or anything like that um and it's something that i, I, I would hold very kind of sacred to me mm-hmm. but um mm-hmm. there was one just experience and it involved sitting in traffic lights and a car that was exactly like the car that was owned by the, the deceased pulled up next to me at the traffic lights and it was and it was a particularly different it was a particularly difficult ceremony i don't know how many ceremonies i've done at this stage and this is one that just stayed in my mind and in that moment i, I left the crematorium and i was driving down the road and this car was next to me pulled up next to me in the traffic lights and with that whatever way my phone connected with the bluetooth the bluetooth just reconnected and i don't know if your phone does this but it plays the last piece of music mm. that was that was playing and the last piece of music that I had on my phone was the final piece of music from the crematorium. So, you know, this person's song just came on the car. I looked over and I went, and I, in that moment, that was enough. That For me, that was just a lovely little coincidence, a little bit of serendipity, a lovely little moment. And that was enough for me to say, okay, thank you. Mm. Thanks for, you know, just thank you. And with that, his light went green and I was stuck on this filter light. And so as the music was playing, the car just drove off and I was left what felt like forever at this filter light. And it allowed that car to literally go off into the distance Mm. and it disappeared across the horizon way down the end of the road, the straight road. And I remember just being like, that is, that's as a celebrant, that's my release now. That that's mm. that's them gone. That's I've just I've let that grief go. And in fact, the probably the funny thing is I left that crematorium, that service, to go and do a rehearsal for a panto. So so yeah, and I, so I, I had to shift my emotions. Mm. But in that moment when I saw that car disappear, I just went, That's the release. That's the that's the moment. That's he's he's gone now. That's it. Would you believe in the afterlife? I don't know. I don't mm. know. Um, and because look, I'm on my own little journey of trying to find my place mm. in the world. I was brought up um, in a Catholic house, and when I was old enough to make my own decisions, I took that step away. So I certainly, under no circumstances, would consider myself a Catholic. Um, I should say the side note, of course, when I meet families and they request prayers, I don't know if I've already said that I'm always so happy to lead, you know, families and, and people in prayer when it's meaningful for them. So that's never, ever an issue for me whatsoever. And I'm happy to 
to do that. But in terms of my own personal beliefs, I certainly couldn't consider myself uh, in any way, shape, or form to be a Catholic. But an afterlife, if if there is an afterlife, um, I I don't think it's you know the the type of afterlife that we consider it to be. To you know we're going up into heaven to sit on clouds. But I certainly have felt communications from from loved ones letting me know that I'm being looked after. I'm a huge believer in that. Um, and very often when it's meaningful for families and funerals as well, I do have a few words about this idea of, you know, our, our, our loved ones become our guardian angels. And that is something I do believe sincerely. And I always love the moments when I sit with a family and I say, look, you know, if, if this is meaningful for you, I can say this. And they, and they say, oh, you'll never guess what happened here the other day. Uh, you know, whether it was a, a feather or the little robin mm. came mm. just as we, all of those little, all of those little signs, just as you, you know, just as you, as, as, as you mentioned her name, for example. Um, because we so desperately want to, to believe that when we leave this earth, that we go to, to somewhere better or we go somewhere that we don't yeah. leave the people that we love behind that they're, they're either there with us somewhere like you say with the robin or the feathers or whatever the case might be yeah yeah and look come here i will say even in my own personal life as well you know um this week actually is uh my dad's anniversary dad's gone 19 years now 2003 i've done the right math there i'm like 2003 yeah um and I remember in the early years um, after he'd gone, I remember asking for very specific things. I remember planning a holiday with, with a friend and I asked for a very specific amount of money that would, because I had booked, I had, I had priced the flights and the accommodation. And for example, let's just say, for I can't remember what it was, 542 euro, you know, let's just say it was really specific. And I remember driving home from work, in fact, sitting in the car going, oh, Dad, I really, I need, I just need this holiday. Will you please help me find 542 euro? And when I came home, there was like an envelope on the kitchen table with a check for 542 euro that came from whatever it was. So, you know, a life insurance or just some whatever it was at the time, but it was, it was directly, you know, associated with dad. I remember going, oh, God, that's that's really specific. That, that's really specific. Jesus, dad, you, yeah. you turned up for that one. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, but every so often, yeah, you do get just a little just a little reminder that, you know, you're being looked after, which is it's always nice. I want to ask you about naming ceremonies because mm. that's something kind of new to me. I haven't really come across anything like that recently or in the last while. Um, I would take it that this is kind of like, as opposed to a traditional christening that you would opt for something like this? <coughs> yeah, excuse me. Um, yes, I, I have to say I love doing naming ceremonies. They're beautiful, um, beautiful little um, occasions. Um, and a lot of the rituals that you might include might be recognizable as something that you might see in in, in let's say for example a, a catholic baptism for example but um they're lovely occasions and um, they can happen in lots of different places whether it's you know you can have it in your home uh you can have it like in a hotel function room for example um lots of different places and i've done some nice ones um over the last couple of years as well they're lovely occasions invariably 
there's always lots of kids at them so there's always like a nice energy um with them as well um and, and like that I, th I think i would have touched on at the start when you're just looking for occasions to celebrate and bring people together because you know when you meet and, and i don't mean even as a i don't mean professionally when i'm at a funeral but i'm attending a, a funeral of, of somebody you know and you, you meet family that you haven't seen in years and go oh, we only ever meet at weddings and funerals you know so i'm a huge believer that we should have more occasions more reasons to meet and get together and celebrate different occasions but yes uh, uh, naming ceremonies are, are a lovely way of doing that um and i think for me when i craft the ceremonies or you know when i think it's appropriate with the when i meet the parents i think the idea for me is is an occasion to welcome the children into the world i like that there's lots of different nice um rituals that we do that we can do um little sand ceremonies yeah you make um footprints um of the baby on that day lots of different things you can do if there's siblings or cousins uh very often it's nice when they you know recite a piece of poetry i've done a number of of ceremonies where you know you might be looking at a seven eight nine year old child who's gone off and written a poem or a song um about their their new little sibling as well which is always a gorgeous moment so there's lots you can do with them they're lovely occasions i know i love doing them um are they something that's yeah. on on the rise are you finding that they're kind of coming, becoming more popular? I think so. Mm. Um, I think so. Look, the truth is probably not as much as, you know, you know, personalized weddings and funerals. Um, so out of all of the different ceremonies I do, the truth is that the naming ceremonies wouldn't be as, as many. Mm. Um, but I, I do, I, I do a trend where they are on the rise um and do, do you know what it is i think the the concept of the naming ceremony is actually battling against the concept of the gender reveal oh, um, yes, yes, and yes, the yes. gender reveal is such a and there's no i'm not saying this in a negative way there's no judgment but it's such a, an american phenomenon mm -hmm. that i i think so many of us and certainly younger parents now God, I say that I'm only, only 40. I'm saying younger parents, where did that come from? But I think they tend to aspire to that, you know, that, yeah. that you know, those American kind mm. of celebrations. So the gender reveals are very popular. And I, I think the naming ceremonies kind of, you know, struggle against that a little bit. But they are, they're wonderful occasions. And so often I find myself saying to my colleagues and other celebrants as well, um, because I'd be a member of the Irish Ethical Celebrants Society, um, as well as the, the Association of Funeral Celebrants Ireland. But when I'm talking to other celebrants, we're often amazed how are naming ceremonies not more popular because they're beautiful occasions and wonderful opportunities to, to, to celebrate a new life entering the world. They're lovely. And do you think that's because you're battling with this gender reveal kind of ceremony now as well? That's why it's not so popular? I don't know. Yeah, I do, look, the truth is, I, I, I don't have an answer to that. I, do, I don't know what the answer is. Um, but ultimately, look, I, I can see the trends. They are becoming more popular. Um, and that is nice to see, because similarly to, to the other types of ceremonies, they are very personal and, you know, each one is unique. So they're always nice to do. Yeah. I want to mention your 
podcast, the Celebrations Sessions. Yeah. I managed to say that without stumbling oh, over that. So thank, thankfully, thank goodness for that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, yeah, thanks for mentioning the podcast. I do enjoy doing it. Um, I've gotten a little bit distracted lately. I haven't actually put an episode out now in a while. I do have one that I'm, I'm going to have out to before Christmas, um, hopefully. But look, it's again, it goes back to this idea of celebration and what can we do to to celebrate more so actually the the truth is the podcast is very eclectic because you know one episode could be you know hindu death rituals where you know because part of it for me is about this idea of continual learning and and i just love learning about different cultures and and what are other cultures doing you know that we are or aren't doing or how do we compare or you know what traditions are creeping into Irish rituals, you know, I, so so there's that side. So I love learning about that. So there's lots of what you might call, you know, multicultural episodes or, you know, international episodes. But as well as that, I could sit down with a couple who are telling me about their wedding day. Um, or what else do I have? Um, yeah, as I said, they're just very eclectic. So it can go from, you know, continual learning of talking about rituals and how we celebrate to literally, how do we celebrate? Tell me about your wedding day. How did it go? Talk me through the process. Um, and I won't say too much. The next episode, actually, um, we we lost a wonderful person. I live here in Dublin 8, in Inchicore, in Dublin. Um, we lost a wonderful person recently, a local historian, um, who got as far as his mid-90s, and a wonderful character around the area. So... My next episode, hopefully, is going to be a tribute uh, to him, and we're going to have some people from the area um, talking about him. So hopefully I just want to turn that around quickly. And the reason I say that is because, you know, I'm looking forward to actually paying tribute to somebody like that. With weddings, I've had couples talking about their wedding day and, you know, what I call it, you know, real couples. And they're nice episodes, and hopefully I'll, I'll do more. But this next episode, hopefully, when I can turn it around, will be the first of its type in terms of actually being a tribute to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking forward to doing it. I've reached out to a few of the guests and uh, they, they were all really positive about doing it. So I'm looking forward to that. But yes, thank you. And I'll, I'll stop talking about the podcast, but thank you very much for bringing it up. It's very much appreciated. That can be that can be found anywhere where you get your podcast from, I, I presume, yeah? Indeed, mm, indeed. Brilliant. I want, just want to ask you one kind of final question because I'm coming towards the end of the program. But you mentioned there, just when you were talking about your podcast, um, things that are creeping in now to ceremonies here that we wouldn't have seen before. Maybe would you have any examples of of that? Yeah, um, yeah, and again, between talking with colleagues and talking with people in the, the, the funeral landscape, I think as we have reopened after COVID, I think in terms of funerals. Sorry, have I misunderstood the question? Are, are you talking about? funeral rituals are you talking rituals in general well, yeah, well, which, in general? yeah i don't mind whichever you want to kind of to mention yeah yeah well actually i i think the reason i've naturally gone towards funerals because i think it's a, it's a bit more kind of pertinent there it's, yeah. it's been a bit more um glaring and obvious there the changes mm. because literally one day in march 2020 you know we we were down to 10 people mm. and i did my first funeral during lockdown and the people who worked at the, the venue 
at, at, the, at the crematorium, I should say, actually did a head count of, as they had to. And there was one person too many, and no. a close family member was. To her, well, to be fair to her, she said, "No, no, I'll, I'll go outside." And all. Mm. But it was heartbreaking to mm. actually witness that. And then technology stepped in, and I, and actually, I think that's been the big thing now. This idea of streaming the ceremonies, um, and one of the big changes that I think I've identified is. It's actually just a concept and a notion that previously a person's success in life was measured by the amount of people who turned up mm -hmm. at a funeral. And I think that's completely changed and gone now. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and like as well as a celebrant, you see, you know, beautiful, beautiful ceremonies and you see such almost tangible, you, see, you just see love in the room. There might only be 50 people uh, there but what technology has done which actually i think is really really nice we have this thing because of covid we think everything has shut down and the numbers are less but in fact technology has allowed people to tune in from all over the world and so often and um, when i sit with families and I, i'll always say so this has been streamed um is there anyone you you know who won't be there on the day who you'd like to mention and i constantly I'm talking about people welcoming and acknowledging people in America and mm. Australia and, you know, all across the world. Um, so I think that technology has been um, a, a wonderful, a wonderful thing. Obviously, the tactility, the physical tactility was something that was lost. Receiving lines, um, things like that um, stopped. And interestingly enough, last week I did a ceremony and when I went up to the family afterwards just to say, you know, thank you and I'm going to let you be together now and I'm going to leave you now. And for the first time in two years, the, the, the family, he, the, the, the patriarch of the family said, oh, he said, thank you so much. He said, can I give you a hug? Mm. And I said, yeah. And it, and it was the first time in two years that I'd actually hugged a client. And then mm. with that, then the, 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 the rest of the family came in. But, but it was this lovely moment where, where I thought, that's it, we're returning to something normal now, which was nice, you know. And what better way to kind of finish the program than with that? And um, if anybody wants to get in contact with you, Connor, about talking to you more about the work you do, maybe even kind of uh, getting in contact with you to, to help with the, anything like that, how can they do so? Uh, you're very good. Yeah, well, look, I'm online at connorclear.com um, and there is a, a way that you can contact me there. I do have an email as well, which is just my name. It's connorclear at gmail. And I'm, look, I'm on social media as well across Twitter and LinkedIn and, and Instagram uh, as well. But look, if anyone ever has any questions, I'm always happy to help or advise or, you know, if, if you're looking for, if, if you need a an idea for a reading or a piece of music or or something i'm always there to, to answer any questions so i always love hearing from people so do feel free to reach out connor thank you so much for being on the program today i really really enjoyed uh, meeting and talking with you it's been very interesting thank you paul sincerely it was lovely to connect with you and thank you so much and thanks for having me on the show and that's it for today's episode of mind the head here on lock Community Radio, radio thank you so much for listening along i'll be back with you again very soon take care bye bye Mind the Head with Paul Flaherty, a weekly show that focuses on mental health and well-being. Sundays on Lockray Community Radio, brought to you by Dignity Funeral Care, funeral directors caring for your peace of mind.